0: The following conversation with Ann and Frank Graham aired on April 4th, 2018 on the Wednesday edition of The Point. Ann Graham speaks candidly with Louise Kaplan and Karolineski, co-hosts of this weekly community affairs program about her gender change to a woman and the impact on her life. The Point is a production of KPOV, 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio.
1: This morning, we are fortunate to have in studio with us Ann Graham and her husband, Frank. Anne, Frank, welcome to The Point, and thank you in advance for sharing your story with us. Anne, you are a most amazing woman. However, you did not start out your life as a woman. You transitioned from male to female just 21 years ago, and this is the first time you're speaking publicly about your transition. Tell us a little bit about that. Was the transition, was it a difficult decision to make this transition? Scary? Tell me what you felt.
2: Well, I didn't consider it difficult. I always felt from the day I was born and started the memories I have that I was female. So I was living in the body of a man, but I felt I should have been female. But I was born in 1951, and there were no words or ways to deal with this. So I, I repressed it. So when I made the decision finally to make the transition, it was a joyous thing. Actually, I recall the surgeon laughing at me because I was so happy as I was going under, going into the surgery.
1: Was that scary at all, facing the surgery?
2: Yes. Well, the surgery was not scary at all. I'd been looking forward to it my whole life. What was scary was facing life in the other gender that I had not been socialized in. So that was difficult. Um, deciding, learning the things that I'd been denied the ability to learn as I grew up. And what age were you when you had the surgery? I was 46.
1: You say that you were living in the wrong body. Mm-hmm. Um, were you attracted to men or women or neither?
2: No. Both. Uh, no, the hormones that uh, puberty brings on for a male are certainly very powerful. And uh, I was a heterosexual male. And it was only after, some time after the surgery, after getting comfortable living as a woman, that mint started to look good. And uh, <laughs> I started dating, and, and I considered that I was a heterosexual male, and now I'm a heterosexual female. And that's a difficulty because a lot of people associate a person like me with being gay. Their first impression is, you know, I say I'm transsexual to someone, they'd say, oh yeah, I have lots of gay friends. And this, of course, is a misconception.
1: You were married, Anne, and had two sons at the time that you made the decision to transition. How did your wife and sons react to your decision? Well, she was very upset. Did she have any inkling?
2: Yeah, we probably argued about whether I should do it for two years. Very violent, upsetting arguments. Of course, it was difficult. We'd been married 19 years, and uh, my ex was very concerned about the financial aspects of what I might be doing. Afraid I'd end up under a bridge and there would be no money to continue the life that we had built. I was a very successful engineer, manager, and the prospect scared my, my ex. My sons initially were okay with it. My younger son is still okay with it. But shortly after I actually was driven out of the home and started a transition. My older son rejected me pretty strongly. He was gay. He'd already come out as gay prior to me deciding to go with this. I have found a lot of gay people don't accept transgendered people. They don't understand it. Why is that? Um... I don't know. Uh, Gay men enjoy their sexuality, and I think they can't understand someone who'd want to give up uh, male sexuality, to be honest.
1: What is your relationship with your ex-wife and your
2: sons now? My ex and I are best of friends now, because I paid alimony for 20 years and secured her financial future and my sons. And... Once I reach retirement age, I'm sixty-seven years old now. When I retired, the alimony obligations stopped, and so you got a raise. I got a raise.
1: <laughs> well, no,
2: I moved into. I only my only income now is social security, but I no longer have to send alimony, and my ex is financially okay, and we were able to reestablish a very good relationship. Um, my younger son comes up. To visit all the time. I go down to visit him. My older son is very cold and distant, still for 20 years has not relented and accepted me. That is a loss for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frank, let's talk to you. Okay. <laughs> Frank is Anne's husband. Uh, you guys have been married for 14 years, just had an anniversary I saw on Facebook. Hello. Congratulations. And you were introduced to Frank by your sister. And Frank, you knew about Anne's history before you made the decision to meet her. Many men wouldn't be interested in a transgender woman. What did you find interesting about Anne other than the fact that she's attractive, brilliant, and has a wicked sense of humor? Any reservations about her history?
3: Isn't that litany of uh, things that I found attractive enough? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I had no reservations at all. Her sister Sue and I... We uh, were classmates in high school. Uh, we had reconnected. Uh, Sue was uh, very open about uh, Annie's background. We had some interesting discussions about it. I uh, had no reservations at all, especially after we were introduced to each other on the internet by Sue, before we actually physically met, had exchanged about a hundred emails, we were actually located three states apart. So we didn't physically meet. until we had known one another on the uh, internet for about two months. Finally, one day she sent me an email and said, "If you want to meet me, get off your fanny and get over here." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. I noticed when we were talking yesterday, you were a mountain man in Montana, so,
3: so to speak. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm a retired army officer, and thirty I'm years, like, right? Most of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, my last duty station was in Montana, so I had retired there and After having cut my hair every two weeks, whether I wanted to or not, and shaved every day for thirty years, I had gone completely to seed uh, my I had a braid down the middle of my back, my beard was down the middle of my chest, and i was I was pretty happy with my life and living pretty loosely in Helena, Montana, singing at the local pub and uh Having a beer once in a while and hiking, I was 20 miles away from the Continental Divide. I could drive up there and go for a hike any day. I found myself to be pretty good company until
2: I met her, and then it was all over.
0: Then you <laughs> found you could have even better company.
2: Absolutely. I think that's and he me. was and is handsome as hell.
0: <laughs> he, yes, is. he is. Yes, he is. Yes. he is. Yes, he is. Just, well, thank just you. A, I'm going to say him really cute actually but i don't know if that's the right (laughs) adjective but you know all of us have different eyes for different things we do yes
3: and i think that's probably one of the uh the things that people may not understand about my attraction to Annie or any man's attraction to another uh person regardless of what their history is we all have different eyes exactly we
1: all see one another differently and we just talked about frank's service you were also in the military Yes. You served two tours in Vietnam. Yes. And exemplary service record. And had to
2: argue for your for your honorable discharge. Can yes. you
1: share a little of that with us, please?
2: Yes, well nineteen seventy three I was sent to a shore duty instructor station because of my competence. Uh, 1973, there was no internet, and uh, I picked up a newspaper one day and saw that the local hospital had done a transsexual surgery, and I went, oh, my God, you can do something about this. <laughs> I hopped in my car, and I drove up to that hospital. I found the clinic, and I pressured these psychiatrists there to let me join their program. I said, me next, me, please, do me. <laughs> I was totally blown away. They, I had some therapy with them. They finally sent me away and they said, you'll never be successful. This is an experimental process. You look too masculine, frankly. And all the people we've done this with have had very poor outcomes. And uh, it hasn't solved their problems. They sent me away and said, make lemonade out of the lemon you think life gave you. And unfortunately, shortly after that, I went to my executive officer's office, and I said, sir, I'd like to speak to a Navy psychiatrist. And he said, well, it could be arranged, uh, but I have to know why. And I said, I told him. And he said, why don't you wait outside? I'll make some phone calls, see what I can arrange. And shortly thereafter, two shore patrolmen frog-marched me off the base. They sent me a letter shortly after and said, show up for your dishonorable discharge, um, and I wrote back, uh, pointing out, as you say, I'd had exemplary service, two tours in Vietnam, and had not violated any rule of the UCMJ. And they relented. They sent me another letter, and they said, okay, you get a medical honorable discharge. But they wanted me out. I had a secret clearance and knew lots about nuclear reactors, and it was wartime, and they wanted me out
1: and you worked at Intel as an engineer and you were working there when you went through your transformation. Tell us a little bit about how that was received by your coworkers and the support if any that you received.
2: Yes, well, Intel's an amazing company and probably I would not have had the success I had anywhere else. Of course, my boss was gobsmacked. He couldn't uh, he'd never heard the term transgender and uh
0: and I haven't heard gobsmacked, is yeah. that what you said? <laughs> That's
2: what I said, yeah.
0: <laughs> Okay, I, well, you'll have I, to explain uh, that, that later, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but Intel has a team of people who have dealt with it before. Actually, usually people with uh, like me are very high achievers, and uh, there are a number of them in Intel. And so Intel had experienced it, they knew how to deal with it, they gave me leave to go away and make some medically necessary changes. They trained staff. They trained all the engineering firms I worked for. And when I came back, I was received very positively. I really love Intel for the way they treated me. They challenged me to make sure that I could continue to perform. And I could. I actually excelled after that. They gave me a lot more responsibility. I spent 10 more years designing Intel's factories and traveling all over the world for Intel and being a very senior manager for them. And they let me do it because I had the skills and I could do it.
1: They let you do it because you did a good job. You actually were sent to China to design a facility.
2: Yes. We were intent to build a factory in China. I was leading the group at Intel that designed our factories. We knew the codes and standards in China would be different. So they sent me there. I spent uh, shortly after Frank and I married, we both went to China And I spent a year building an engineering group there and learning Intel's, how to translate what Intel does to what China would allow. And then we uh, built a factory in China.
0: And you also said you had a coworker who was really inspired by you.
2: I yeah, yeah, several, actually. A number of people recognized that what I had done was live my dream. I'd followed through. A lot of people feel they should have done something with their lives. And one gentleman stopped me once and said, I just resigned because of you. I'm going to go live my dream. I'm going to buy a sailboat and sail in the Caribbean for the rest of my life. One woman stopped me crying, saying, thank you for valuing women more than men. To give up the obvious, very high-powered, um, entitled position I had as a man and value being a female more really impressed her and I think a lot of women.
1: And isn't that what we would all like to do is live our dream? Yeah. Because we are on this earth for such a short while.
0: And so many of us do avoid it because of the change and the transition. And the, yeah. as you said at the
1: beginning, wondering what it would be like. But you did it. Congratulations. Absolutely. And changing directions just a little. You have a lovely young lady from China living with you as an exchange student. She is a doll.
2: How does she feel about uh, having a transgender parent? You know, I was concerned to say it to her because we'd been to China, and, of course, uh, transgenderism is not a common thing in China. But uh, I finally, after a few weeks, decided I needed to just make sure... She was aware of it. The Cultural exchange service that interviewed us knew about it. They don't care. I sat her down and I explained all that. She said, so? (laughs) And then she said, what's for lunch? (laughs) And she said, said, I just think of you as mom. And she does. We've lived with her now eight months. And she's our daughter and I'm her mother as a, a guardian host parent. But it's a very, very close relationship. And it's no problem at all for her. And you taught her how to hug? Yes. Oh, yeah. Chinese are not not, uh, common with that uh, social practice we have of hugging people. So the first few times we tried to give her a hug, she didn't understand what was going on, and she would put her shoulder into us uh, and kind of keep some distance. And now she doesn't. She just throws her arms open and gives us genuine hugs and It's quite endearing. We've ruined her. Her parents in China think that she's becoming too westernized.
0: Well, she's been with you for how long now? Eight months. And then she has another
2: two two months. She goes back home in June, but she comes back in August to spend four years at college in the U.S.
1: And you have told me that you would like to separate T from
2: LGBT. What does that mean? Most people would know this. L, G, and B are about sexual attraction and orientation, who you want to have sex with. T is about how you want to present yourself to the world, whether you want to be the male role model or the female role model, primarily. So frequently, I've had trouble seeing why they're bonded together. I was actually on the board of directors of a large LGBT organization in Portland for a while. And I saw that they were using me as the token T, and that everything they were doing was aimed at the goals and objectives of gay people. And gay people want to establish, in my view, a third um, acceptable social model. And T is not about that. T is about I was socialized in a way that I'm not comfortable with. I want to be in the other uh, mode and just go ahead and live my life. I don't stand up and protest for rights for teas. I just live my life as a woman. I'm here doing this today because I think a lot of those rights are being threatened in uh, the way society is uh, moving lately.
0: You are living as you have always seen yourself. And the two of you have a lovely, healthy...
2: (laughs) Heterosexual, relationship. ...marriage,
0: exactly. Uh, Frank... You said something the other day that just warmed my heart. You said, when the lights go out.
3: The last thing that happens in our bedroom, well, that other people get to know about.
0: (laughs) Thank thank you for qualifying that, yes.
3: Is we're laughing together. Uh, We laugh every day and we laugh every night. It seems like the last thing we do before we go to uh, sleep at night is laugh about something that happened during the day or something that we've created just at that moment to chuckle about.
0: The looks on your faces, that's one of the drawbacks of radio. I mean, the sparkle in your eyes, the smile, just exuding happiness. So your happiness is built on a willingness to really acknowledge who you are, but it also offers you a freedom. Mm -hmm.
1: I also found it interesting that you mentioned, having been a man, you can understand Frank's feelings. Yes,
3: you bet. <laughs> Sometimes way too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what message would you like to give our listeners regarding transgender individuals?
2: Well, I just hope that by exposing myself this way that I have done some small part to counteract the negative perspectives and people that are shown in the news as what a transgender person is about. They are not about protesting. They're not about being sex workers. They're just people who genuinely feel uncomfortable in the body they were born into and want to live their life in the other gender. And they go on to be most of the transgender people I know through my experience are doctors and lawyers and emeritus professors and powerful individuals at Intel Corporation. And they're very strongly contributing to their communities. And I would hope that your listeners would find it in their hearts to accept them.
0: And we haven't even talked about the many gifts that you've given to your community of Redmond. Thank you both, Frank and Anne Graham, for joining us on The Point today and sharing your intimate story. You have much to teach us, and many of us have much to learn. Thanks so much for taking the time. And thanks, too, for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information about our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.